Hello, this is Drink the Music. A podcast where each week we listen to an album, make a cocktail, and have a chat about it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the music. Well, hello and welcome to volume 12 of Drink the Music. I'm Brian here, as always, with Michaela. And Michaela, we've been covering a lot of albums, right? We've done we've done 11 of these uh, Drink the Music volumes so far. Uh, but a couple weeks back, I received in the mail a very unsuspecting uh, package that had a record in it. Uh, and that record was uh, The Dance by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, it didn't have any sort of return label on it. didn't have any sort of uh, guess, like packing slip to it. Uh, it just showed up out of nowhere. But I thought it was my sign from the heavens um, and the heavens being you, I guess, that we needed to talk about Fleetwood Mac. Yes. Um, I mean, I can confirm that somebody close to me thought that you should definitely have this album um, because it's amazing. It's comprised of all the things that we love here at Drink the Music. First of all, it's an album. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a musical True. album. Um the, the dance is a concert and we love live music here at Drink the Music. And we so do. I thought it uh, also, it has one of, it had one of my favorite um, kind of renderings of uh, a song that is actually on the Rumors album. Full disclosure, quite a bit of songs from the dance <laughs> are also on the Rumors album. Um, but um, I really thought that it would be something that you would enjoy. And well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the dance was not something I was familiar with. And we're actually going to be talking about the dance over on our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash drink the movies, because today we're going to be talking about rumors. Now, that is an album that I'm familiar with, you know, kind of the uh, the quote unquote rumors uh, lineup here for Fleetwood Mac is uh, something that most people um you know, who are at least kind of into music are pretty familiar with, you know, they had the the couple of albums, the Fleetwood Mac album, and then uh, rumors being kind of the the pinnacle of uh, their uh, their time together and you know tusk and uh stuff like that so you know kind of this this lineup of fleetwood mac is what i think probably most people think of when they think of fleetwood mac right they, th- they think of this uh you know stevie nicks and lindsey buckingham uh you know kind of led uh sort of thing here um in terms of of the group fleetwood mac and that's what we're going to be talking about today uh rumors one of the one of the all-time uh great albums so michaela who is fleetwood mac up to uh, rumors. Uh, this is a very long and complicated story. Uh, so, uh, of the eighteen uh, people that have, at one point or another, made up the band Fleetwood Mac, uh, including uh, along the way, there were some uh, LSD benders, uh, fake Fleetwood Mac allegations, affairs, uh, internal band affairs, uh, and even a member of Fleetwood Mac disappearing from the band on tour to go join a cult. Uh, that happened. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of crazy stuff here around Fleetwood Mac. So this is going to be my effort to boil it down to the five pieces that we get on rumors. I I can't talk about all 18 of those people. That's too much. No, that's fine. Uh, that's that's <laughs> too that's much. Fine. That's too much. All right. So we're gonna have to go back to 1967, London. Uh, Peter Green of the Blues Breakers, along with bandmates Mick Fleetwood and John McVie, go into a recording session and record a song called Fleetwood Mac. Now, following this, Green and Fleetwood want to form a new band uh, alongside of McVie, and they would call the band Fleetwood Mac, uh, you know, for Mick Fleetwood and John McVie. Um, I do think on a side note, it's interesting that if you're Peter Green, you're like, hey, I want to have a band and I'll name it after you guys, so come be in it, please. Uh, They're going to call it Fleetwood Mac, right, to entice McVie to join them, but McVie says no, uh, not interested, wants to keep the uh, steady paycheck with the Blues Breakers going, uh, but is going to ultimately uh, join those two gentlemen uh, shortly thereafter. Can't, Can't resist 
the uh, the enticing uh, tunes of Fleetwood Mac for too long, I guess. So the band's second studio uh, album, titled Mr. Wonderful, comes out, um, and it's featuring a horn section uh, this time around and a keyboard section, uh, which is helmed none other by Christine Perfect. Now, in 1970, Peter Green leaves the band, and Christine Perfect, who is now Christine McVie, uh, who, you know, married... John McBee, uh, is uh, going to join the band full time. So now we've got we've got uh, Christine McVie, we've got John McVie, and we've got Mick Fleetwood. 1974, the band hears Buckingham and Nicks perform. They like what they hear, and they ask the duo to come join the band, and they do so in 1975. Well, technically on New Year's Eve, 1974. So that's all five now, I think, right? So Buckingham, Nicks, McVie, yep. McVie, and Greenwood. Uh, they put their first studio album out. Uh, it is the 10th or the 11th album uh, for Fleetwood Mac, depending on who you ask, because there was a one that was a potentially a compilation live album. Uh, so some people consider that an, uh, a studio album. Some people don't. So uh, like I said, 10th or 11th there. Um, and this is going to be self-titled uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, which they also had already done a self-titled album called Fleetwood Mac. So we're going to refer to this as the White Album, which is what most people do. The 1975 version, not the 1968 version of the same name. Uh, two years later, after the Fleetwood Mac album, rumors would be released. And that is what we're talking about today. That is a that was beautiful, Brian. <laughs> it that took was, me a very that, long time to pour through the histories of Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> and this is why Brian is the cornerstone of all drink the music, drink the movies stuff uh, right there, because uh, I have loved this band probably since I was like 13 years old and I could never have been that concise. There's no way. <laughs> so good on you. Good on you, honey. <laughs> Great job. Um, and uh, but this album, this, you know, kind of second 27th album uh, that <laughs> they created album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this um, I, I don't want to say it catapulted them because Fleetwood Mac was already real famous at this point. And there was a lot of things riding on this album. Um, uh, there was also a lot of things happening personally and professionally for all five members. There were divorces, there were affairs, there was a lot of cocaine, I think. Um, there was a, some dark times, there were some light times, they were fighting and talking to each other while they were making this music together. And so uh, it's one of these things that when you listen to this album, uh, number one, you should definitely uh, listen to it the way Brian listens to it. Uh, listen to it from the beginning all the way to the end. Um, you're you're going to know probably 80% of these songs um, because they were all hits. <laughs> all of them were like mega hits, uh, which hasn't happened very often. We've talked uh, uh, 11 other times about albums in Drink the Music and 11 other albums. And many times it's been one or two things that have kind of uh, caught the eye of uh, studio executives and pushed out as singles. Um, this entire album uh, has 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 had immense success. I think maybe only one song where we're going to say didn't make it into the top ten or something like that. So um, mm -hmm. really special. Um, and and I guess that that all of that crazy hard drama, perf you know, with the with the group uh, was the perfect cauldron. Uh, concoction of amazingness because it has made this album uh, it, it is consistently like the top hundred albums of all time. And, um, mm -hmm. and I can't wait to talk about it song by song. 
That's right. Yeah, we're going to be uh, breaking breaking through the songs, and it's important to remember when we get into the to the music here. Uh, just keep this in mind. These people absolutely hated each other uh, when this uh, album was released. But you know what? Sure. They didn't hate. You know what? We don't hate. Uh, it's a good cocktail. So let's do this. Before we get into the uh, track by track here of rumors, let's uh, go off, take a break, and we will be right back to whip up this week's drink. So, Brian, when we were looking for drinks, uh, cocktails for the Rumors album, there were a couple Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. came Mm -hmm. to mind. Um, Some were a lot more complicated than others. And one of the things that you found, uh, which really made me feel very, very loved, I got to tell you, is you found a drink called Songbird, um, which is one of my favorite songs of Fleetwood Mac. It's hard to have a favorite, but it's one of mine. And it has all my favorite things in it. It's got gin. It's got elderflower liqueur. It's got a maraschino cherry. It's got this really beautiful herbal liqueur of green chartreuse. Um, if you have it, great. If not, I guess yellow will work. Um, it's got all the things. And so it was like kismet that we were doing this and that we found it. And by we, I mean you. So thank you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, this uh, cocktail called the Songbird, it comes from Kindred Cocktails, and it's paying homage to that song, Songbird. Um, and that song was written by Christy McVie, who uh, unfortunately passed away uh, just this past year. So we'll be drinking this in homage to her as well. Uh, let's mix this up, Michaela. It's pretty simple if you've got these ingredients around uh, into a shaker tin, one and a half ounces of gin, one ounce of elderflower liqueur, uh, St. Germain being the notable one there. Uh, three quarters of an ounce of herbal liqueur. Uh, green chartreuse is what it's calling for. Um, now, I think you and I both went with yellow chartreuse because green chartreuse is hard to come by. Um, there's some rumors. Uh, Michaela thought that they had stopped making it. So I had thought that green chartreuse was just a seasonal uh, thing that you can only get uh, nearer like the, the Christmas holiday time. Uh, so if you have some of that, go for it. If not, uh, I think the yellow is perfectly fine stand in. The flavor difference between the two is not huge, I don't think, um, in my own personal estimation. So uh, three quarters of an ounce of that. Um, If you don't have either of those, uh, feel free to use whatever kind of herbal liqueur uh, you want, any sort of uh, fernet. You could probably even use uh, something as crazy as like a Jägermeister, um, and you're going to get something that's going to look a little bit different, but it's still going to be an interesting kind of flavor combination, I think, there um, in terms of using uh, various herbal liqueurs. Uh, Three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice into your shaker tin with some ice shake that and strain it into a very very well chilled uh cocktail glass and then you're going to garnish it with a maraschino cherry so michaela i made this i took a sip of it and i said this is boozy i would really like for there to be an ice cube in here i think to melt a little bit but uh i don't know i don't know this is pretty strong and then i kept sipping it and i kept going down this journey that i was with with fleetwood mac of of all of the all of the fighting and all of the the magic that got created and i thought this cocktail is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it really is. Um, uh, I, I think you're right. I think you may want to shake it in that shaker tin for a tat, a t- just a touch longer than you maybe normally would to get a little bit more ice melt in there. So make it a little bit pal- more palatable when you first take a sip, because it is boozy. Um, <laughs> it's very big. It's a very big uh, flavor when you first dip into it. Um, but it mellows out. Um, and it just kind of creates this warm feeling, uh, which which the album does as well, even though uh, and we're going to talk about it. Right. Because when you first jump into this album, you've got your hit with a lot of different emotions. You're hit with a lot of different sound um, sounds that that were new uh, to me, at least. And uh, I think it all kind of uh, melts down and, and 
creates this beautiful concoction. And by the time you're done with this drink, you're either too buzzed to, to, to care or um, you genuinely really like it. It just grows on you really well. That's right. Absolutely. So uh, give this one a try. It was really good and uh, really uh, did a good job of paying homage to to the song Songbird and kind of to this uh, whole album or to the album as a whole. So give it a try. Let us know what you think about it. But now, Michaela, we need to take a quick break so we can get ready to talk about one of the all time uh, great albums, uh, Fleetwood Max Rumors. So let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, so Michaela Fleetwood Mac Rumors, it comes out in 1977, and by all accounts, it's one of the great albums of all time. We're going to get into that in the album break, uh, but I have to say, track number one, Secondhand News, this is my least favorite song on the whole album, so I guess <laughs> it's good that it is getting out of the way early. Uh, there's yeah. a little, there's a super like fuzzed out guitar comes in uh, and out like from nowhere, like throughout the song, it just keeps coming out, uh, which is something that Lindsey Buckingham does in all the songs that uh, he wrote pretty much. He's like, oh, remember, I'm the guitar player here. Let me go with that. Um, this was originally titled Strummer before Buckingham, you know, brought forward the lyrics to the song because he didn't want to upset Stevie Nicks because all of his songs are about how much he hates Stevie Nicks and all of her songs are about how much she hates Lindsey Buckingham and, uh, you know, kind of all around the band there. Uh, so so he's holding back the lyrics because he didn't want to upset Stevie. Um, and he also apparently recorded a new bass line when uh, John McVie was on vacation. Uh, so, you know, no wonder this band hated each other and they were explosive offstage as they were on it. They sure were. Um, so I got to say, gosh, man, you're way better at this than me, Brian. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's a real good song. Um no, I got to say this, we, I started listening to this, uh, for the purpose of the podcast. Right. And I actually like the song. The song's not bad. Uh, it's, it's nowhere near as good as all of the other songs that are on this album. And they kind of put it at the front and I don't understand that. Um, I'm like, what would they should have just knocked this off and put it in, I don't know, Mirage, uh, because, you know, or Tango of the Night or something later, they should have done that. Um, this felt like a land yap at the very beginning. Uh, so like, mm. if you don't know what that is, it's a little something extra is what that means. So like, if you're going to a restaurant and they give you like, I don't know, uh, one single salsa chip uh, at the beginning of your meal, that, that's kind of what this felt like to me, which is like, it's not bad, but like, what is the point? Um, and uh, in in retrospect, looking at this as in contact with the whole album, it seems completely out of place. It doesn't <laughs> sound anything like any of the other songs. Um, and again, I love this band. So and I love Lindsey Buckingham. Uh, so I, I, I'm not calling the song at all, but I do find it really interesting. The story of how these songs came to be is almost as interesting as like what we think about the songs in, in and of themselves, because you're oh, right. Yeah. He totally he like showed up and was like, guess what? I got this song <laughs> and how that had to have been recorded where they're just they're looking at the lyrics going, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and um, it's very famous that Lindsey Buckingham and uh, Stevie Nicks have this love-hate relationship. Uh, they, they've, they've managed to perform and maintain some sort of relationship as, as friends for, for, I don't know, 50 years now. So God knows how they've done it. But uh, if this was not, this was not their best week, this recording <laughs> session. 
yeah, it was not the best week. And the, and the song itself is is pretty good once it gets into it. But there's something very jarring about the way that it kind of like, I don't know, it's like a horse gallop here of this uh, this guitar strum that kind of yeah. comes into lama, it. Lama, 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 it, just, lama, lama. it just it just sounds kind of <laughs> strange. But that that gets us into an absolute banger song two dreams. Uh, this is the only number one single by the band here in the United States. Um, and it's kind of Stevie Nicks version of uh, Lindsey Buckingham's breakup song. Uh, secondhand news, I guess. Um, so apparently when uh, Stevie Nicks presented it to the band, she had to really push hard to get it onto the album because no one else really seemed to care for it. Um, I like the kind of pairing here of Stevie Nicks and uh, Christine McVie's kind of call and response uh, through the pre-chorus section and then uh, the way that the drum hits uh, in the chorus, you know, thunder only happens when it's raining and, um, you know, they're uh, hitting those uh, symbols there uh, to coincide with that thunder, I think sounds uh, really good, really good construction here on this song. Yeah, um, this song, what, what I remember hearing it I was probably 12 um, and I totally thought this this was about taking drugs and getting high at like a in this, you know, in the 70s at like a party. Um, I think, I didn't I think really... most of uh, Stevie Nicks songs, I think you could probably interpret that way uh, if you really yeah, maybe. To. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, look, it, you know, look at her. She's she's like the quintessential 70s babe, right? She's mm, she was mm -hmm, petite. Mm -hmm. She had these really sweeping, like in all of her concert stuff, she had these really amazing um, kind of uh, uh, like garments that like hung loose. And she was just this gorgeous blonde siren who had this angelic, like when she hits the high notes and saying, it's only me who wants to wrap around your dreams. Um, yeah, do you have any like dreams that you'd like to? Fairy-esque. Yeah, kind of like fairy, witchy, kind of just really hot, Ooh, wood, real hot. Wood nymph, wood nymph <laughs> any of those things. Any of those things. But I really, uh, as I got older, you know, I was young when I first heard this. So I was like, it's all about like drugs and getting high and like feeling this feeling um, of, of being high. And then I got a little older and I thought that this is exactly what it's like when you are uh, in in love or in love with a performer. And that that was it's a great answer to the secondhand news. Right. The only good mm -hmm. thing about the fact that secondhand news is even on this album, I feel like, is that. It, the answer is dreams where she's like, yeah, you, uh, you only loved me when you were playing. Uh, it's only me. It's only me. It's only Stevie freaking Nicks who wants to wrap around your dreams, dude. What is wrong with you? So yep. good. So That's good. Right. That, and I that love right. the, the wailing of the guitar. Oh, we can talk yeah. about the song for 20 minutes. I'll stop. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, following up to uh, Dreams, we got uh, Never Going Back Again. So we're going to continue down the path of Buckingham's Breakup with the Knicks. Uh, this is a Buckingham song here. Uh, we get this uh, finger-picked, breezy, kind of carefree-sounding song. Uh, minimal lyrics here, which is also a recurring theme in uh, Buckingham's uh, music here, where the guitar is doing uh, you know, kind of a lot of the heavy lifting here. Uh, apparently, the acoustic guitar he was playing was being restrung every 20 minutes throughout the entire day. Uh, to get there, to get that crisp, clean, precise sound, which sounds like an absolute nightmare. As someone who plays the guitar very poorly myself, my least favorite guitar activity is restringing it. So doing it every 20 minutes sounds like that would do my head in. Uh, been down one times, two times, never going back. So says Lindsey Buckingham, which is a lie because they kept going back a lot of times and it kept ending roughly the same way, I think. Yeah, I this this is like the we are never getting back right? it's just it's the idea that for whatever reason you are inexplicably drawn to this person and you know it's not the right thing you know it's not it's not good for either of you um 
and, and this, you resolved, you resigned yourself. You're like, I'm never doing it again. Uh, when we all know that that's not true. I mean, yeah, we all know that that's not true. <laughs> so um, I, I don't know what the solution was for this. Apparently it was to continue to make tons of music and money together. And that's fine. It's great for the world. Um, I, I, I hope, I hope. I hope it was all right for Lindsey Buckingham because I think um, he wrote a lot of uh, songs about the darkness that he felt during this time. And, you know, he uh, left the band, I think, in the 80s. Uh, and then they all kind of came together uh, in the late 90s again. Um, and he talks a lot about this album being kind of this this breaking point uh, for him as, as far as uh, he was coming into his own as a songwriter, but he was also really in a dark space in his relationship and his relationship with um, uh, alcohol and, and drugs. So uh, I really love the picking on this. I think, uh, and I can be wrong, that's fine, but I think Lindsey Buckingham is one of the best guitar players I've ever seen from an acoustic perspective, from an acoustic mm. pop perspective. And the reason why is if you ever see him play, he picks... He picks with like his pinky as well as his thumb at the same time. And maybe that's like a normal thing and I've just never noticed it, but I am shook when I hear some of the, some of the arrangements uh, that he does acoustically, because this song sounds almost Renaissance-ish because of the mm -hmm. different oh, yeah. kind of like a lute, you know, almost um, at the, especially at the very, the dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. like when he gets really high it, it's effortless mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and um yeah yeah it sounds like there could very well be you know several guitar players uh playing on this song but yeah it's all Lindsay buckingham he's uh, an incredibly accomplished guitar player and um you know we'll, we'll kind of talk about you know the importance of Lindsay buckingham uh going forward as we uh go into the the future career um endeavors of uh, Fleetwood Mac here. Um, Don't Stop, track number four. So this one is a Christine McVie song. She writes this about her divorce with John McVie, uh, who's right right back there playing bass guitar behind her. Uh, it feels a little bit more amicable and upbeat than the first three breakup songs, I will say. It has kind of like this chanting sort of tone that progresses with uh, McVie and uh, Lindsey Buckingham's vocals. Um, so at the time of this song, Christine McVie was dating the band's lighting director, so a Fleetwood Mac could be a fictional band in your favorite uh, soap opera, basically, is the way uh, that uh, these uh, love affairs are going. Um, the band reunites after a decade to perform this song at Bill Clinton's inauguration in 1993. Then they uh, reunite in 1997, got along for a bit, but then would need another 17 years uh, apart before they got back together to play this song. And this was kind of one of their uh, songs that they would lead off a lot of their uh, concerts with here, uh, Don't Stop. Um but yeah, this this one's a really good one. It's obviously, you know, kind of one of one of the hits on an album that's pretty much full of hits. This is one of the ones that people think of when they think of Fleetwood Mac songs, I think. Yeah, uh, it is definitely the most hopeful, I think, of all the songs um, <laughs> on this album, that's, uh, which is a most, shame. Because... It's the most hopeful F.U. song on the album, <laughs> right. for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, I don't know. It's weird because I always thought given this song and given some of the other stuff that Christy McVie kind of has put together um, and created uh, that it was a lot more amicable. Maybe it wasn't. I mean, we don't know, right? Like this is all us listening and making our own, making our own stories up, but I feel like it's, it's a much, it's a much better way to say goodbye than maybe dreams or secondhand news. Sure. I'm just yeah. saying, <laughs> you yeah. know, you want someone to not stop thinking about tomorrow. And it's like, look, if you, if you thought I was bad, to you you know just think so there's tomorrow's another day you can go find somebody else to be bad to you it doesn't it, you know <laughs> or, or whatever um right i really love the 
uh, Christine's um, an amazing piano player. I really love kind of the chords are really strong at the beginning, uh, mixing with uh, Buckingham's guitar. And I really like the, um, I, I guess it's it would be called the bridge. Um, where he has kind of his guitar solo. It is iconic um, and, it, you know, they do it. Um, I don't know. They When they do it in concert, it's really cool. Um, everybody, it, it always feels like a really great way to, to send off uh, and say goodbye to mm -hmm. a band that you love. So um, that's, which is what, the, what they're doing. I guess she's saying goodbye to her husband, right? As, yeah. as a husband. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of the kind of the songwriters here you know McVie, Nix, and Buckingham um who are also you know the the singers and in, in the group you know have kind of their own sort of feeling and um I think I make mention of this a little bit later but you brought it up uh here Mc Michaela um Christy McVie seems to be the most kind of mature of of the three uh story storytellers here in terms of that and the way they're handling uh these kinds of kinds of things i guess um and that gets us to uh go your own way which was the first single from the album and one of the 500 greatest songs of all time so it says rolling stone uh, i was 120th in 2010 but all the way down to 401st in 2021 uh breakup is the theme here again buckingham choosing to let the guitar tell his tale as much as the lyrics here um uh dare i say possibly the most well-known of the fleetwood mac catalog uh, probably could be, I think so. Um, and it's interesting to me because whenever you hear this song, you hear the song a lot, um, whether you know it or not, whether you're listening to it on the radio, um, you're seeing it in a movie, you're seeing it on like, or you're hearing it in a movie, you're hearing it on a commercial, you're hearing it on the radio and in any context that they ever use it, it's almost always this joyous exploration piece, right? Setting off on your own adventure, uh, but that's not what these lyrics say. These lyrics are scathing and bitter. You can go your own way and call it another lonely day. That's what you get if you leave. Lonely day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> this is like a bye Felicia uh, yeah. way before there was a Felicia, I think. But Felicia had not been born yet. Um, maybe. Bye Stevie is what it was. <laughs> <laughs> bye Stevie. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, again, um, because the lyrics totally belie what it sounds like. Um, and, uh, somebody actually, <laughs> I was at a wedding once and somebody actually wanted this to be like a, a, a song at the beginning of their wedding when they introduced mm. the couple and they were like, it's so great. Cause we're going our own way. And I was like that, you should, you should <laughs> listen to the lyrics to that again, uh, before, I mean, you do, you do what you want, but, but maybe listen to it starts <laughs> off with loving you. Isn't the right thing to do. So <laughs> I don't know, guys, maybe think about it a different way, but it's um again, Buckingham doing his amazing guitaring. Um, mm. And the fact that they all are on the background vocals is really interesting. Cause again, I love to think about how they created this album where like, like I'm just envisioning Buckingham coming in and being like, all right, <laughs> You know that fight we had last night? I wrote about it. Here you go. <laughs> like, and and Mick Fleetwood is in the back, like drumming his little heart out, like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah, that's kind of the interesting uh thing here. All of these songs basically are, you know, looking at these at these relationships. And then you're asking, 
you know, the person that you're writing about to sing the song or perform the song, which is which is wild, which is, you know, no wonder uh, why the tumultuousness here between the band. Um, and that's going to get to us to our cocktail inspiration here. Songbird, Michaela, this is the beautiful piano ballad of the album. Christy McVie writes, plays the piano and sings to an empty auditorium of 15 microphones picking up her vocals while Lindsay Buckingham plays an acoustic guitar offstage. So it sounds a little bit more muted compared to the piano um, and it helps him not lose the rhythm of the song because his rhythm and Christine's rhythms are very different. Uh, whereas Buckingham's breakup songs sound jaded, Nick's sound more flowery and dreamy, McVee's sound more mature to me. Um, I wish you all the love in the world, but most of all, I wish it from myself. That's very, that's a very mature way to look at a breakup, Christine McVee. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really love this song and I, I don't, I, um, I love this song. I love that it sounds empty to me um, because of the way they put it together. She seems mm -hmm. like she's in a very big hole, <laughs> right? Like singing this and it's very sad, um, but it's also so filled with this, like you said, adult mature idea of what love is. Um, because you absolutely think at the end of this, they are not together. They're not going to be together, whoever she's writing about. And I love to think that this is her goodbye song um, to John McVie, that it's, you know, mm -hmm. we, you know, and I love the idea, the way she's kind of layered it in that, you know, I wish you all this love. I wish it's gonna come from me, even though this ends. Um, but the love doesn't really end. And I truly think that if you really love somebody, um, that doesn't go away. It, that, you know, it doesn't mean you get to live together. It doesn't mean you get right. to, you know, make it, but you can always love them and want them to, to have this, this amazing life, even if you're not in it and not able to kind of take part in it. Um, I think that's, that's the best definition of, of, of love in a lot of ways. So I, I think this song is really special. And one of the things that, um, I, I want to say is this, the, this version is, well, one of the things I think is really interesting are the, the covers of this song that have been done over the course of time. Eva Cassidy did an absolutely beautiful cover. Um, and then Christy McVie herself, um, at the end of the concert, the dance, it's not on the album, but, uh, she, knew that she didn't really want to be in the band anymore. And so she sings this song as a kind of an encore uh, to say goodbye to everybody. And it is haunting and beautiful. It, it sounds completely different because it's on stage um, mm -hmm. with just her in a, in a, a piano. So it's, it's not that muted sound, but it's still absolutely gorgeous. It's one of my favorite love songs of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's very telling. I didn't, I didn't write this down, but I'm, I'm going to assume that this is true. Um, this is the most, the softest and most delicate of the songs. And it's the only instance here on the album where the subject of the song is not being asked to play or sing alongside of the song. Um, so I think that, you know, that's that's kind of kind of telling there. So uh, let's take a bit of an album break here and talk about rumors kind of as a whole, Michaela. So uh, Fleetwood Mac have been around and fairly successful for a long time, uh, kind of up until this point. But, you know, but not anything like this. Right. So the 1975 uh, Fleetwood Mac album, uh, it hit number one here in the United States and ultimately would go on to sell seven million copies, which is a big deal, big deal. But uh, not anywhere close to what rumors was going to accomplish, you know, just a couple of years later. Um, 
um, being very much the top of the mountain here for Fleetwood Mac, uh, selling 21 million uh, copies here in the U.S. over the course of its uh, lifetime and releases. And it's roughly 40 million copies sold worldwide, which makes it, uh, as of what I saw, the sixth best selling album of all time. Uh, there, it won the Grammy for Best Album in 1978, and uh, Fleetwood Mac were introduced to the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2003. Rolling Stone currently has it as number seven on its top 500 list of top 500 album of all time list. And uh, this grouping here, the uh, the rumors uh, Fleetwood Mac would make five albums in total before uh, Lindsey Buckingham would leave the band in 1987, followed shortly thereafter uh, by Stevie Nicks. So, yeah, it was kind of. It was very much of like a like a flash in the pan, but they did perform together for um, about 13 years, um, which is which is kind of wild to think that, um, you know, you think of, you think of rumors and you think of it as like, like I said, kind of the, the top of the mountain. And, you know, the albums after this were still successful as well. You know, Tusk and um, uh, Mirage and uh, the other one, the name is uh, eluding me at the moment. But it, it's interesting to think of this collection of songs, you know, basically being about the, the turmoil and the tumultuousness of this group of people and that they still carried on like. Like their their art kept them together, and uh, we're going to see the instance of that when we get back to the album. But Michaela, this is one of your all time favorites. Uh, you've loved Fleetwood Mac as as long as uh, probably as long as you can remember, and definitely as long as I've known you. Uh, Fleetwood Mac has been your jam. So tell everyone uh, your kind of history with Fleetwood Mac. I guess. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it's as it's as convoluted <laughs> as the history of Fleetwood Mac itself, probably, ladies and probably. gentlemen. <laughs> probably. Um, so I don't know my, if there were any my... cults involved, but. Colts. Yeah, no Colts. No Colts. Um, no, um, my dad uh, taught me to play pool um, when I was real young. I was about five, maybe four. I could barely see over the pool table when he took me to play pool and the first time. And um, uh, we moved to Montana and sorry, we moved from Montana to Texas. And I was about nine when my parents finally kind of gave up the ghost, uh, and, and split up. And so I remember I lived with my mom for a little while that did not work. Uh, so I lived with my dad, um, which is not normal. And it was kind of strange, but I will never forget. There was a random Tuesday night and he came out of the kitchen and he said, Hey, want to go play some pool? And I was like nine. And I thought, hell yeah, I want to go play pool. That sounds amazing. And so he found this bar. It sounds like a, sounds like a bad thing, but he found this like pool hall bar that was family friendly. Mm -hmm. They didn't, I don't even know if they served alcohol because I never saw my dad drink at this bar. We always had like cherry Cokes together. Um, and uh, he would let me have like 10 whole dollars and he'd let me go and pick whatever music I wanted um, off of the um, jukebox. And it was back in the day when CDs were like a thing, right? <laughs> and so you, you know, you had maybe three or four choices off of every album. And um, I remember rumors being on there. I remember um, Tangle of the Night being uh, on there. I remember the White Album being on there, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff, right? And so interspersed with things like, um, you know, Pearl Jam's Jeremy and things like that, I also got um, all of these songs that I have now come to really love. And mm -hmm. um, so it's really, it, that's how it started for me. And I didn't know enough about things, but I, you know, I was pretty young, um, but I really loved the Rumors album and my dad made me a cassette. And we would talk a lot about um, some of the lyrics because 
as a kid, I was not in, you know, I wasn't playing an instrument. I, I really loved to sing, but I wasn't able to, to play anything. And so music theory was never, never my strong suit. So we would talk a lot about the lyrics about these songs and like what it would be like to, to what it was like to, to make this music and write these songs and poetry and things like that. And so that's really where it began for me. And it's so crazy to think that this album is what, 40 years old now, <laughs> 48 years old. It's, it's really old and it's been around, but the music sounds just as crisp to me as it did when I, when I was really young. Um, mm -hmm. And the relationships that are that are still there. I mean, this is a band that has lasted. You know, like you said, there are thirty-seven thousand people who made who made this band up over the course of time. But but these five people managed to um, make some music that is still really um, perceived as amazing today and uh, is really meaningful. And and they're still, um, you know, they they up until Christine McVie's death. I mean, they they you know, said that they were still really friends, even through all of the stuff, which is just amazing to me. And so that's one of the reasons I think that's some of the many reasons why this album kind of means so much uh, to me personally is it's very nostalgic. It reminds me of my dad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as an album as a whole, it's, it's absolutely, you know, kind of this, this, I don't know, tumultuous like work of art where you can you can mm -hmm. feel and hear all of the tension of it, but there's there's something magical about the way that it that it comes together. And and sometimes, you know, art, especially in music, is you know, created at its best when when there's tension and uh feelings of uh ill will there behind it. And um I think that that's pretty neat. Uh, myself, I was never like like huge into Fleetwood Mac. You know, obviously I knew the bulk of the songs off of this album because everyone does really, but I never really gotten into the album as a whole until uh, you know, more recently, probably in the last, I don't know, five or ten years or so. So um it's been uh fun for me to just kind of go in and then uh, doing the research for this particular episode, you know, kind of leading me down the rabbit hole of different iterations of Fleetwood Mac has been uh, something interesting for me to get into um, as well. And then, you know, into kind of their live performances, which we're going to be talking about uh, on Patreon here uh, in just a little bit. So let's get back to the album. Uh, Michaela, I'd mentioned, you know, kind of the, the tumultuousness. So let's just get into it. The chain. Uh, if you crank up uh, the volume here at the beginning, like literally crank it up, uh, you can hear, um, I'm assuming it's Lindsay Buckingham taking like a really like deep breath uh, into the microphone. You have to really crank it up to hear it. Um, uh, and I'm guessing that's uh, kind of, you know, ready himself to start playing the guitar, ready his voice and to ready himself to be a part of this song, uh, which is probably the most collaborative on the album between people who at the point that they're recording this aren't even speaking uh, to one another. Uh, this song encompasses everything that Fleetwood Mac was, uh, everything that they could be, everything that they hated about each other. Uh, the chain, right? Uh, very metaphorical there, keeping them together and weighing them down. Uh, the song is almost like a lyrical argument that the band is having with each other. Uh, the cymbal crashing in this song reminds me of like plates or wine glasses being thrown against a wall, kind of in this uh, fit of rage. Uh, Buckingham's guitar solo sounds like car tires screeching away from this place. And I think that that sounds amazing. The chain, one of the best songs around. Yeah, for sure. It definitely, as you said, it, it it really brings this idea that um, even though they they don't get along, they create this amazing music together and they create this amazing art form together, and everybody is in on this. So you, you know, you have every every member of this band had to be intrinsically involved in the in the creation of this song to make it what it is, and it is so crisp 
and perfect. Um, it's a, it's a great, um, uh, I don't know. It's a great look at, um, that invisible like thread that brought them all together because, and the lyrics are great. If you don't love me now, you will never love me again. Um, and it's like, well, I may be real mad at you, but there's still something, there's still some sense of, of love and friendship between all of them in order to keep them around. Um, maybe that, maybe it was millions of dollars. Maybe it was lots of cocaine. I have no idea what it was, but whatever it was, it worked um, because they went on to, um, to play this uh, multiple times in concert and it's amazing in concert. Um, I really loved uh, listening to this the, the couple times that I have seen Fleetwood Mac live. Uh, it just gets better and better because they all know their parts. They anticipate each other. Um, it's fun to watch them look at all each of each other on stage where they're throwing out these words of, of like venom. It's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's all great. Yeah, absolutely. It is great. And um, that gets us to a track eight, You Make Love and Fun, uh, which has much more of a 70s disco vibe here. Um, this is a Christy McVie song, and it's about her relationship with the lighting guy. Remember, I talked about the lighting guy a little bit ago. Here is the you song did. all about him. Uh, she apparently told John McVie that this was a song about her dog to protect John's feelings, uh, which uh, makes me wonder about Christy McVie's potential relationship that she had with her dog. Um, there are roughly uh, 300 instruments uh, here in this, uh, by my estimation. There's a Defender Stratocaster that uh, Buckingham's playing. There's tambourine, electric piano, clavinets, drums, acoustic guitars, effects pedals. Uh, and once again, you get McVie's more optimistic sounds uh, here in this uh, love song about a man that is currently working the stage lights on her husband, <laughs> her ex-husband. <laughs> yeah. Oh, drama. <laughs> I mean, man, they need to make No this wonder you love series. this album. No wonder yes, you love this. Yeah. You love a drama, so... Shut up, Brian. <laughs> you're not wrong. But yeah, okay. You're right. You're right. Um, I didn't quite know that he was the lighting guy like during this this album making. Holy moly, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> but I do, I really do love this song. So this song reminds me of my dad and uh his wife Patty, my stepmom. Um, I will never forget watching them dance around. They we were at a company picnic, they'd been dating um gosh, for a long time at that point. Um, so I think they might've been engaged at, at that point. I, I don't know, but my dad uh, heard it, it came on the jukebox and he was like, Hey, want to dance? And they just kind of bounced around and danced together uh, in the middle of this company picnic, just like a, a couple of kids. And I really love that. Um, how great is it to, when you're first falling in, in love with someone um, to think that you know, you, you're, you're making, you're making this so much fun. This is so great. You're so wonderful. Uh, you know, um, not believing in miracles and then having, having this be something that's happening. It's so great. Um, it's also, uh, really interesting to me that Christine McVie was like, oh, this is about my dog to spare John's feelings. Because again, that is not what, <laughs> what Stevie and Lindsay would have done. They would have been like, this is definitely about you because you never made loving fun. You piece of work. I hate you. This guy, this lighting guy is way better. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Much more mature. Christy McVie was just, she was the only adult <laughs> I feel in this entire band. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. Of the songwriters, at least. So uh, let's get into uh, track number nine. I don't want to know. So this was written by Stevie Nicks before uh, her and Buckingham had joined the band. Uh, the story goes here is that the band recorded the song without her knowledge. Um, and then they had her come in after the fact to record her uh, vocal parts. Um, she only agreed to having the song on the album uh, because she wanted to make sure that she had another writing credit on the album. Uh, because they were uh, pulling Silver Springs, a song that we're going to talk about on the dance off of the album um, at the end. It was a little bit too long, I guess. Um, you say you love me, but you don't know. If this was the song she wrote before the breakup, I guess that is pretty telling. <laughs> Again, this this song, it's it's kind of, it, it, it belies the meanings, right? So you hear it and you're like, oh, it's kind of this, I don't want to say rockabilly, but it's got this, this, I don't know, rock and roll edge to it. Um, it's kind of mm -hmm. muted. Um, with with Buckingham's guitar, but um, I, I, then you listen to the words and you're like, oh, this sounds, this is not good. <laughs> this is this. I don't want to. I don't know. You're bobbing your head to this person being like, I just, I don't think you love me that much, really. Um, and I'm really in love with you, and this is gonna hurt. Ugh, this is this isn't good. <laughs> and I don't want to know. I don't want to know that you don't love me. Maybe, but this limbo really sucks. I mean, it it brings out all of these feelings that you're having um, and in this, and then you're bobbing your head up and down and like tapping your foot to this, this beat because it's very rocky. So um, yeah, I really liked um, the, the vocals uh, and the way that Lindsay kind of has the same mutedness that he did um, in secondhand news. And I don't mm. know if that was by design or not. Um, they're different songs and, and for sure, but like the way the vocals kind of sound like he's far away from the microphone, um, it, it worked for me in this because it, it's a little bit more um, muted and, and dull sounding rather yeah. than like sharp and edgy. Well, it could be in the way that they recorded it as well. I'd mentioned, you know, that you know, they basically recorded it without Stevie Nicks' knowledge or uh, permission to record it. And I guess Lindsey Buckingham, <laughs> you know, sang his parts and Stevie Nicks' parts during the recording session. And then she came in to record it after. So it would have had a different sort of uh, uh, vocal yeah. uh, clarity and quality, probably just being her versus, you know, the whole band there in that situation. So, uh, yeah, good observation there. And something else that's going to turn a little bit more a little bit differently than the rest of uh, kind of the songs uh, here. We've got Oh Daddy track 10. Um, this is McVie again, but it's a much darker uh, tale this time, right? The other ones were pretty upbeat and positive. Oh Daddy's uh, much darker here, but it's uh, definitely a deeper, more mature uh, songwriting uh, style uh, than, uh, than again, you know, kind of the other uh, bandmates that were writing the uh, lyrics here to this song. It's a lot less playful and positive than uh, something like You Make Loving Fun because this is a tale of a forbidden love, right? Maybe, maybe Oh Daddy should have come before uh, you make love and fun i don't know i don't know for sure um but the song is uh really good uh this to me it sounds like a song that's almost grappling with addiction as much as you know kind of this love triangle sort of thing that's going on here um i don't i don't know you know specifically about uh, christy mcvee here at the time but most of the members of the band from what i've seen have said that you know the drugs and booze were flowing uh pretty heavily uh during this time so i i think you could probably make the the case that you know, some sort of uh, addiction here was uh, possibly on the table um, and kind of this uh, double meaning, at least I'm picking up here in Oh Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's hope she's not actually talking about a daddy. But, uh, you know, I think that's I think that's code for a, a drug, maybe. I mean, that's how I took it. So I totally agree with you there. Um, mm. Some of the lyrics are really uh, shaking uh, to me. 
why are you right when I am so wrong? I'm so weak, but you're so strong. Everything you do is just all right. And I can't walk away from you, baby, if I tried. That, um, that, that doesn't sound like an incredibly healthy uh, relationship with a human. It certainly doesn't sound like a relationship with a, with a drug or an alcohol substance. Um, mm-hmm. That doesn't sound very healthy. But, um, but it, it's also um, really, I don't know, I really wanted to not like this song um, because the daddy part really bothers me. Uh, I, I just got to say, I don't like it. But um, the rest of it, I really found pretty compelling. Um, this didn't, this wasn't a, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but I don't think this ever made it out as a single. Um, it's one of the lesser known songs on the album. Um, mm. And uh, and I think that's probably why, because people would kind of not know what to do with some of this. Um, but I really, again, it, it speaks to Christy McVie's like, just the essence of her genius in writing and the the fact that she can be the voice of reason, but that doesn't mean that there isn't this darkness that she's also experienced. And it's just a little bit of a different kind of uh, kind of inner struggle maybe rather than um, the what we see right front and center in some of the other songs. Exactly, exactly right. And that darker tone um, and messaging is going to continue here uh, to our last song on the album, uh, track number 11, Gold Dust Woman, uh, which is my favorite song on the album. So we start with my least favorite to we end with my favorite uh, song on the album here. It has this little phased electric harpsichord and slide guitar through it, which sound really cool. Um, and Gold Dust Woman here, it's definitely piggybacking off of the uh, dual meaning, I think, in Oh Daddy. Uh, Nix is singing about another woman and uh, drug-fueled jealousy. Uh, Stevie Nix has also gone on to say, uh, Gold dust is definitely referring to cocaine uh so there you go um it the song goes like completely unhinged by the end of end of the song like it is unraveling uh real fast which sounds amazing um and to me like this song gold dust woman sounds like what like being in that room with these five people recording this album must have felt like yeah Oh, for sure. Uh, the lyrics, did she make you cry, make you break down, shatter your illusions of love? And now tell me, is it over now? Do you know how to pick up the pieces and go home? Go home. So good. Um, really, I mean, you could just imagine how, uh, yeah, how, <laughs> I'm going to collect a thought in a minute. You can just imagine how uh, palpable both the chemistry and like the anger and the jealousy um, that that they felt. Um, it's this is a very famous song uh, for Stevie Nicks to actually have uh, like a gold shawl that she wears when she does this in concert and performs this. Um, she has had uh, a couple of gold shawls. Um, I was ha- I was lucky enough to see her put the original one on once when she was in concert. Mm-hmm. Um, holes and all, because it, it was like 40 years old at that point. But um, she gets so angry. And at the end, when she uh, kind of um, says, go home, and her voice kind of echoes, it's a it sounds very different now because it's been of uh, you know 40 some odd years but this that's the beginning kind of of this descent into hell i feel like for the music you feel the 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 lyric the kind of the guitar licks uh really pa- pick up and get more uh kind of palpate palpitating like your your heart's beating faster and faster you think that this is going to explode um it's really amazing how it kind of descends into madness and at the beginning it's this very like 
dusty, dark, um, uh, kind of a beat driven with the drums kind of talk. Uh, but at the end, she's basically screaming. It's really uh, a spectacular journey. And this song's long. It's like five minutes long. And so it's mm-hmm. uh, it's something definitely that you're going to sit with. And uh, it's a interesting ending to the album. Yeah, def- I, like I said, I think it kind of leaves you in the place where the band was, you know, through the recording of this album, which I think is is really really interesting and and really neat you know musically and artistically so uh that is the album uh rumors uh is a you know we talked about as one of the one of the great albums of all time and we've talked about our, a little bit of our history um and you'd alluded to it a couple of times so before we sign off michaela you have had the chance to see um fleetwood mac and some various compositions uh throughout uh your lifetime do you want to talk on those briefly and then uh, we're going to be talking about the dance which was a, a live performance that got to this particular group these uh five individuals back on stage to do uh kind of this uh broadcast television recording thing i think was for mtv and then a subsequent tour that that followed and um a lot of people thought that that was probably the last time that this group of people were going to get back together and um in a lot of ways it it kind of was um but what about your experience here with uh, fleetwood mac uh live in the flesh so i got to see fleetwood mac a couple times first time i think was in like 2005 2006 um, and it was right when Say You Will came out, which was their studio album that they created after the dance. Um, and that was amazing. And then I saw them again, probably 10 years after that, maybe eight years after that, something like that. And, uh, both times it was incredible. Um, I have a great story. I don't know if I should share it here or if I should share it at the dance, but I, I've met Lindsay Buckingham and it's a, it's an amazing story. Um, where I totally fangirled, but didn't, it was, I'm very proud of myself. Um, But um, they are amazing live. uh, And I'm so heartbroken um, that the world, if you haven't seen them, you're not going to get to see them in all of their glory um, because Christy McVie isn't going to be there. Um, Because it's, it's, it is truly an experience. This band, it puts on an amazing show. Um, There, there's, the way that they show themselves off um, and show each other off and the way that they come together is really, really special. I think that's one of the reasons why they have done so well and they keep coming back together um, is that even with all of their complaints about each other and all of the problems that they have, they know that when they get them, when they get the five of them on stage, it, it, it becomes this truly magical um, experience. And it's not about, you know, a lot of pyrotechnics. It's not about like an amazing stage, although they have really cool stage set design and things like that. It's much mm-hmm. more about these people uh, singing their hearts out, playing their hearts out, but doing it with the people that caused them to feel that way, standing, you know, feet away from them on the stage. It's really a special experience. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, I love the dance so much. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really cool that that we're going to be able to get to talk about uh both this album and then them on stage in mm-hmm. a more deeper sense on our patreon side so if you're interested in that join our patreon <laughs> because that's going to be a fun discussion that's right yeah that is going to be a, a fun discussion um and yeah i'm glad you got to see you know kind of the pieces that you did because uh, it, it was just a 
within the last couple of days, Stevie Nicks actually was doing an interview and she said she didn't think there was ever, you know, sort of any scenario where they'd get back together with McVie's passing. And then there's been some some kind of legal back and forth between uh, Buckingham and the the rest of the band here over the last five or six years. So I don't I don't think there's probably uh, going to be any more feature uh, Fleetwood Mac uh, stuff here, at least, you know, kind of with the remaining members of uh, of this grouping for sure, which makes it, you know, all that much more tragic, but all that much more special uh, that you get to get to see. And we got the music here from this group. So let us know at home what you think about Fleetwood Mac. Let us know what you think about Rumors. Let us know if you think it's the seventh greatest album of all time, uh, if you agree with the Rolling Stone rating there. And let us know if you decide to whip up a Songbird cocktail because it was really good and a really uh, fun one to have alongside of this album. So if you do that, send us pictures, send us your feedback, send us your comments, all that stuff on our social medias. It's at Drink the Movies on Instagram and and X and Threads and Blue Sky and Facebook.com slash Drink the Movies. You can go to our website, www.drinkthemovies.com. That's where you're going to find recipes, uh, pictures, all that good stuff, episode recaps, all those things. Uh, go join us on Patreon, as Michaela mentioned, patreon.com slash Drink the Movies. That's where you get bonus content. It's a great way to support the podcast. Um, and if you want to just support the podcast, you know, the best way possible of that is to like and uh, subscribe and leave reviews for the podcast. Where can you do that, Michaela? You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iHeartRadio. Um, but you can find us in a lot of places. Anywhere you're listening to right now, there's a subscribe button. I promise. On your little rectangle, mm-hmm. there's a button. Uh, if you're liking what you're hearing, uh, we obviously are covering music at Drink the Music right now. Um, we're really hoping that uh, we can start to talk about movies again. But uh, in the meantime, we're really enjoying this. And I hope you are too. If you are, Hit the subscribe button, tell your friends, leave us a five-star review, share us on social media, because it really helps us uh, bring together the love of music, movies, and cocktails uh, to everyone. Absolutely. So yeah, definitely appreciate everyone uh, who does that. Everyone who is on our Patreon, thank you so much for uh, your support. It means a lot to us and it's going to get us to do things like uh, stop this recording and go talk about the dance. So uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up here for Rumors, Michaela. It's one of the all-time all-time great. So it was fun uh, getting into and talking about it and learning all of this, uh, all of this stuff about Fleetwood Mac. So that's been, that's been a good time. So uh, I don't know, I guess that's where we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. Gold dust woman. All right. Uh, that's, that's, that's going to, that's going to end it from here. We're going to end as uh, on a, on a fiery blaze, just like uh, rumors <laughs> does. So uh, thanks okay. everyone for joining us and we'll talk to you next time on. Drink, Drink the, the music. music. And I love you, I love you, I love you like never before.